0: Fascia is an absolutely amazing system. Years ago, most people didn't know what fascia was. Where today, if you're in the health, wellness and fitness industry, most know what this term means. Hi, my name is Deanna Hansen. I am the founder of Fluid Isometrics and Block Therapy.
1: And my name is Quinn Castellane. I'm the VP of Block Therapy and Deanna's nephew. Welcome to the Fascia Masters podcast.
0: Fascia is the connective tissue that holds our entire body together. The fascia system is involved in every aspect of your health, from pain, size and shape, how you age, athletic performance and recovery, and even managing trauma and emotions. The list goes on. When you learn how to decompress your fascia, you experience incredible changes to every level of your being.
1: The Fascia Masters podcast discusses everything fascia and is dedicated to empowering you with the knowledge you need to become your own self-care advocate. In this episode, we share the interconnectedness of the fascia and how it pertains to the shoulder joints. Of course, every cell is connected through the fascia system, so to understand how to support the fascia in general is required to get to the root cause of all shoulder pains and issues. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Fascia Masters Podcast. My name is Quinn Castellane. I am the VP of Block Therapy, and of course, we have Deanna Hansen, the founder of Block Therapy. And today we're going to be talking about a very common area of issues. It's a ball and socket joint. You may have heard of frozen shoulder. Yeah. Oh, I just gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> Any issues in the shoulder? So yeah, we are of course talking about the shoulders and how we address shoulder issues, which is not necessarily a typical way. And when you understand the fascia system and how that can manipulate and torque and pull the entire body out of alignment, why it's so important to release certain areas of the body to actually help fix and at least make benefits and gains with your shoulders. And then I've also experienced a lot of, I've always had issues with my shoulders. So I have a lot of personal experiences with it. Same with my brother. We both popped our shoulders out probably 10 times on each shoulder. He separated his shoulder and there's times where you're younger, you think there's no hope. And it's funny because my dad's also had issues with his shoulders. I don't know if this is a hereditary thing, but I'm going to be breaking that so that I don't um, experience issues further in the future. But I already know that it won't because of what we're doing and it of It's crazy what we've been able to change. So let's talk about obviously the shoulders, but I'll ask you the question to start. Why do you think the shoulders, other than the back, like I would say the low back is probably the most common area to experience pain. Why are the shoulders probably a close second?
0: Uh, Well, I think the nature of the ball and socket joint, we have this range of motion that we can access if everything is properly aligned. But that ability to have such a great range of motion also creates a susceptibility for injury and for pulling out of alignment more specifically, like, you know, if you think of just the joint between your, 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 uh, bones in your fingers, for example, I mean, there's not a lot of movement and motion that you can go through in comparison. So Mm -hmm. whenever we're looking at the combination of stability and mobility, the more mobile something is by nature, the more challenged it can then become. Mm -hmm. And as it's, you know, up here toward the top of the body, Because we have the anchors of the fascia manipulating our whole body, pulling it down in one direction or another, the shoulder joints are going to be like the head. They're going to be um, dealing with those anchors and responding to them. Mm. So that's why we, again, we approach shoulder injury so differently because if we don't address the fascia in the full body, we're never going to pull that rib cage back into correct alignment to ensure that joint has the stability as well as the
1: mobility. Right. So we, we talk a lot about the initial collapse in the body, which is typically in that rib cage. Yeah. And now when we collapse in the rib cage, and for some people, it could have been even a slight tilt in their pelvis that have, could have initiated a collapse in the rib cage. But I think probably majority of people start with the rib cage, then the pelvis will follow, then the knees and feet get affected. Now you're walking incorrectly, then that's going to only... Have more consequences all the way back up the chain. And now, when you collapse within these low ribs, just look what happens to the shoulders right off the bat. And they start to internally rotate, they get hiked up a little bit too much. And now you're just in this state of collapse and then it gets frozen. So, understanding the fascia, how it connects all systems, structures, fibers, cells in the body together and it's kind of like a magnetic seal that happens, it's only going to be gripping into these other areas of the body and then literally, as you mentioned, anchors or it's yanking the shoulder out of alignment so that it's just causing that less range of motion in the shoulder joint.
0: Exactly. And if you think about, like, if you look at a skeleton and the actual alignment of the arms is with the palms facing forward, Mm-hmm do you see anybody walking around with their palms facing forward? Yet that's how we should be naturally at rest. So that's one of the things that we teach people to do with correcting alignment is turn those palms forward and, and walk that way. And it's funny, because whenever I do that, people say, well, I'm going to look so funny. And it's like, well, that's actually how our bodies are built to be at rest. I mean, does it look any funnier to have the backs of the palms facing behind you as you get pulled forward and down? And and then what do, what that does to the rib cage because we have this scapula bone that tracks over the ribs to create all of this wonderful movement in the arm. Yet if the ribs are pulled out of alignment, now you don't have that ability for the tracking mm. of the scapula to Bit. occur, which is where we're going to see things like frozen shoulder. But again, it's those compensations, you know, that that occur. Because we're designed to move. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how many times have you maybe been on the golf course and you tweak something and you want to keep playing? So you just adjust yourself to be able to still go through that range of motion. But you've created an adaptation Mm -hmm. that if it doesn't get corrected, that's now part of your fascist system in the way that you wind up.
1: Mm -hmm. No, that's very common. And that happens to people all the time. Um, Even happened to my dad with his back. Like you want it you want to you'll figure out ways to do things you love through compensations regardless and you don't think of the consequences necessarily in the moment you're like oh that feels weird but then you have to do these very quick subconscious or even unconscious movements just to make your golf swing a golf swing or to position your body properly to play any sport that you're wanting to
0: Yeah. And the thing is, we're so highly adaptable until we're not. Yeah. So again, unconsciously we do that. I remember once I was was, uh, on a trip and I was wearing a pair of sandals and I ended up getting a blister on my toe. And for about an hour I had to walk with this blister. And the way that my whole body hurt the next day as a result of shifting my body weight so I didn't put pressure on that blister, that was such an eye-opener for me because everything hurt and then you think of you know if you don't change those compensations again now we get pulled into a new pattern of adhesions being developed and then what cells aren't being properly fed and clean and so on and so on and the denser we become as a result of those adhesions and then how gravity manipulates us even even more yeah so yeah when we're dealing with shoulders though it's it's kind of fascinating because again we've got this beautiful mobility but that also creates a problem down the road with those compensations. Yeah, 100%. So
1: when people experience shoulder issues, they can work directly in the shoulder. Jeez, t- I can get my words <laughs> right here. <laughs> people typically will do range of motion exercises or maybe strengthening the rotator cuffs or working on external rotation if they're internally rotated, focusing a lot of the muscles. I've even heard of calcifications In the shoulder joint there's some i don't want to say chiropractors but certain we'll say body workers will kind of find where that sticky spot is and like break it off which is really interesting i think actually my dad told me about that Mm. a long time ago and i'm not saying these are necessarily things we would recommend to do we're not about force or breaking something it's about persuasion and melting and through that process realigning So people always want to work in the shoulder joint, but that's again, just trying to do a quick fix because that's not what caused it. Now, even if there was actually, this is a question for you. So even if you have an acute injury to your shoulder and let's say you had great alignment, let's just put together this scenario. So you're in great alignment, you practice block therapy, but then boom, you get your shoulder is dislocated or you separate your shoulder. What kind of protocol or what would you say would be an effective way to treat that? Do you think you have to be still working in these cause sites? If you've already, like let's say you've already released these cause sites in a hypothetical situation, how would you view the rehab to that shoulder?
0: So with any acute injury, we want to increase the energy to that area. So the whole concept of the rice method we've talked about before, isn't the direction I would take. We want to support the inflammatory process through adding heat and energy to the system so heat can be applied topically energy can be applied through connecting to your diaphragmatic breath Mm -hmm. moving in whatever range of motion you can as your breath allows so making sure that we always follow that breath rule as long as you're breathing in a relaxed way you're feeding and healing if anything hurts so much that you're not breathing properly that's your body's indicator that okay we're going too far So that's, again, the lovely thing is we can work through the rib cage and actually create a movement in the shoulder without actually addressing the shoulder because the ribs are the foundation for how that shoulder moves. So we do um, share how to do chair work if people can't actually lift that arm up. Even just placing your hand where the pain is, you know, putting pressure in there for three minutes as a minimum, not rubbing. Same with blocking. We're going in and we're holding. And then that pressure overrides the pain, so that helps with that negative sensation, as well as it creates heat. So when you combine that breath with that pressure, you're directing heat and energy into that space. And of course, whenever we have an injury, the body's natural response is inflammation. So we simply are allowing the inflammation to do its job, which is to heal. Mm. And so that's, I mean, like like any other injury, I would always approach it um, in those ways. And of course, if you have a dislocation or a fracture, you want to get medical attention. However, there's so much that we can still do on the other side to support the healing no matter what the situation. I remember we've talked about um Lisa Songer Burke. She's one of our teachers. She's the one that crashed into the um ice wall. Ice wall. And then this was this was crazy because like a year after she's feeling so good. And it's Christmas day. And so now she's, I mean, what a rock star. She's back on her sled, right? She's back on her sled and a deer hits her and she falls off the sled and she breaks her shoulder. Yeah. The arm that we were working on. So, I mean, crazy, but she called me right away and, you know, she started to block around the areas that she could. So she had the baby block behind her and she was working that range of motion and she healed that very quickly.
1: Yeah. So I even mentioned that at the B2 workshop, how fast it healed and she has zero issues with it.
0: Yeah. So, um... But I think one of the most important areas, and we share this on our YouTube channel a ton, if people have issues with the shoulder, the area of that upper rib position that we share with the towel or on the block, it's so important because if I've been sitting in this hunched forward alignment, the shoulder blade will literally migrate and then glue onto the ribs in this space. So working through here... Whether a towel or the block is really going to melt those adhesions that are holding that scapula out of alignment to allow it to track back.
1: I I love how you said that because I was just going to mention that. A buddy of mine separated his shoulder years ago and I golf with him pretty well every week when we're able to golf. And he always talks about the upper side rib position, how that is the position that just saved his shoulder and he'll do that all the time. He does the belly position pretty well every day as well, just to help with everything. And then he works a lot in those upper side ribs. That would be probably one of the better places I would definitely recommend to work. Yeah. Um, so now let's talk about, I would say more of an average, or sorry, not average, more of a common shoulder issue is just time over time we're collapsed why is my shoulder hurting randomly ah now it's hurting a little bit more but you avoid these little signs and you're just like i'll probably just heal and get better over time but it doesn't because you didn't do anything specifically to address it this is your body giving you these little hints like hey you know what something's going on here with your shoulder it's causing some irritation some inflammation and it's just not being treated properly and then boom now it's like oh this really hurts i slept on it funny and then you can hardly move it or then it's more susceptible to get injured when you're playing a sport or doing an activity or working out or whatever the issue is so this is where we need to really focus on those cause sites because it didn't start in the shoulder it started with a collapse elsewhere and first thing we would probably always talk about is start with the belly work all throughout the rib cage and what's also really cool is of course we have to focus on the lower body foundation because that is such a foreign concept to people even to myself at times how, how can I feed my calves really be affecting my shoulder joints well they really are but I want to talk a little bit about the arms because like the legs to the hips the legs directly affect the hips and that ball and socket joint similar to the arms to the shoulders they directly influence the shoulder joint so after I would say working in the belly and the rib cage and knowing how to breathe consciously through the diaphragm because even when you're breathing through the diaphragm properly even the rib cage should be decompressing especially if you know how to direct the air into different areas of the rib cage and we talked about this before when you're in that exhalation phase that's when the ribs internally rotate Mm -hmm. and then when you're in the inhalation phase that's when they can externally rotate so when you direct the airway to different areas of the rib cage it will help to decompress the rib cage for many of us we're so compressed that won't do a ton that's why you need to block the rib cage and then do the combination of breathing and directing the breath but talking about the arms it's crazy how twisted they are and how how much relief I felt in my shoulders into my traps into my neck after working on my arms for 10 minutes
0: well and even like if you look at your hand The thenar, right, that muscle right below the thumb here, Mm -hmm. we should be able to spread that palm nice and wide. When I see a lot of people, their thumb, that thenar muscle has contracted and the thumb is really, really close to the hand. If that's the case, guaranteed, you've got a locked shoulder because Mm -hmm. it's all connected. So we can even see what's going on through here. And similar to that work that we share with the pronator corrector stuff where we're working between the toes, a really simple thing you can do to release your hands is take your um, the, the space between your thumb and your index finger together, and you push and you hold. Again, three minutes. Then do it between the other fingers. Hold for three minutes. Then the other ones. And man, for me, between the middle sn- and sn- sn- ring sn- finger is so painful. Why is that? Well, just because, again, the adhesions. Now, when I was three years old, I had my finger run over by a go-kart, and I had stitches here so like this finger has always been twisted and problematic for me so um even my nail has like a a specific ridge to it because of the stitches and the scar tissue that you know formed as I was growing which to me is again just another indicator when we have injury when we're young and we grow with that scar tissue how it just manipulates you when you're growing yeah but to be able to release the fingers is something that you can do you're sitting watching tv you just hold and when you do like the toes when we work between them there's going to be so much more flexibility and fluidity mm-hmm. and then that's going to translate up into that shoulder area.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no that's that's really good. Though those are huge changes that I noticed just doing positions uh like the hand position on your back any positions really in the arm you always feel that release in the shoulder. So this is where it's funny because people ask for a protocol and when you give somebody a full body protocol approach to address the shoulders, they're they like, want it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what am I getting myself into? And that's where you have to like tailor it a little bit and say, okay, well, we are going to be focusing quite a bit in the shoulders because they they need to feel that more so immediate relief just so that they can have hope and yes. see what it feels like again. I totally agree. So definitely starting in the belly, then the rib cage, the upper ribs, you're already going to be feeling relief. Then working in the armpits. That's Phenomenal position to work to directly in the shoulder joint. Then working in the arm. That's all going to be more areas to address that are more specific to the shoulder. And then maybe in week two or week three, you can say, "Hey, now really start focusing on the lower body and realigning this." And then like working throughout the entire body, but not just focusing two weeks in the lower body and not touching the upper start working in that area, but then start mixing in the lower body stuff.
0: What was really interesting when it was, when I was at my uh, retreat a few weeks back, I was sharing um, block with a couple of the uh, students that were there. So this one woman, I basically put them through a very simple seven position protocol. We did belly, we did hip flexors, lower ribs. And then I had her do her upper ribs on the one side. And before we went to the other side, I had her take her shoulder and go through a range of motion and compare it. And she was like, oh my gosh, it's not clicking. It's been clicking for decades. Yeah. So without even touching the shoulder, that upper rib position, because again, like it, the difference in how much we can extend that arm up when that is released. A hundred percent. Changes everything in through here. So that's another good thing to do too, is give people that prompt. Okay. Like let's, let's see where you're at before you do something and then do it and then see where you're at after sideways positions i mean it's, it's all of this side stuff it's yeah. so impactful but interestingly with things like frozen shoulder you know if you look at a body with a frozen shoulder let's say it's my right one yeah that left rib cage is going to be really compromised mm-hmm. and then that's going to cause that right shoulder the humerus bone to internally rotate and now try lifting that arm up like you know i can get mine to 90 degrees when my arm is internally rotated so working here without releasing the lower ribs you know I might be able to make a little bit of gain but I mean even with my shoulders not being problematic um, when I'm pulled this way this is as high as I can go but release that rib cage and then suddenly you've got like that full range of
1: motion yeah and to add another level or layer of complexity it's every body is different and every the way we collapse and twist is different because Even my left lower ribs, they're actually in more of a chronic state of inhalation. They're actually a little bit more flared, where my right ones are in more of an exhalation. And this isn't like really prominent where people would be able to tell. This is me just being like hyper specific and really analyzing my body because we're still not perfect by any means. And that's where it's like, okay, well, how did this start was that from an ankle injury and then from my ankle injury that twisted my pelvis in a certain way then the compensation happened here and yada 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 so I think giving people generic protocols are amazing and then it gets to the point where this is where I really like mixing in the fitness components and what I mean by fitness it's not doing a crazy workout where you're sweating it's just doing corrective exercise corrective exercises And being conscious of where your body should really be positioned throughout the day. And if you were to do exercises, working on your micro foundations that you can integrate into anything that you're doing, any kind of workout. I don't care if it's
0: bodybuilding, CrossFit, if it's yoga, whatever you're training. Even if you're vacuuming your house. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, we should be applying this understanding into everything we do. If you're sitting watching a TV show... If you're lying in bed, like understanding proper alignment, because if you're sleeping for, you know, eight hours on the side of your arm and it's compressed, I mean, that's going to impact. That is huge. Yes.
1: That is huge. There's so many times where I do a ton of block. I feel amazing. I sleep and then I somehow roll over to my side and I wake up and my right shoulder is up to my ear. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, well,
0: And that's why I love your corrective exercise protocol, because again, like you're getting to these foundational understandings. And if we actually use our body properly all the time, then we don't need to correct things. Yeah. So, you know, but of course we're starting where we're starting and yeah. we're so far out of alignment that we do need to go through the release and the rebuild. But with what you're sharing now is it's so important because if we can establish that inside strength, then we have the capacity to manipulate the body and handle injury in a completely different way, handle stress in a completely different way, when we're strengthening the limbs and the bigger muscle parts and we're forgetting that internal aspect, then we're getting manipulated by gravity Absolutely. and twisted out of alignment.
1: And you have to think of these corrective exercises as, yes, some are very specific to working in a certain area of the body, but then it all builds off of each other where, okay, how is the pelvis going to be in alignment in relation to your diaphragm and your rib cage? and then your knees and your feet in relation to your hips, and then now that you understand where your cage should be aligned, then all of this just becomes a little bit more automatic, and the more you do it, the more you're cementing it in, and you don't have to be as aware of it all the time, because it's, it's already there, you know how to brace your core, you know how to breathe through your diaphragm, it's like retraining somebody how to breathe through their diaphragm, it's not going to happen overnight, but the more you work and focus on that belly position, and then oh, do you know what? Today I, I noticed that I was breathing through my diaphragm for probably like 30 minutes. Well, that's huge. Oh, today I think majority of the day I was breathing through my diaphragm. I noticed I held it during this time when I was driving or anxious or when I was doing that, but you become more aware of it. And then that just becomes a subconscious action of breathing through the diaphragm. So we want to be able to train the body. So when you are going to pick something up, when you are going to reach for something, when you are going to vacuum or you're doing your Pilates class or your bodybuilding workout or whatever you're doing, these are actions and movements that you're just pretty well automatically integrating in. And that's why you have to start off small, start off with a very specific area, understand that, and then another area very specific, but now let's mesh those two together. And now let's add in another thing, then mesh these three things together. Then it becomes full body.
0: Yes. And I mean, it's fascinating too when you're looking at that full body alignment. So whenever I'm looking at a a body to assess it, the first thing I look at is where's that flat tire? So if you imagine that, okay, and if you look down at your feet, it's likely the one that's pronating more. It might have a bigger bunion. It might be more externally rotated. So that's going to be what's pulling the body out of alignment. So if you imagined walking a big dog that's in control You know, it walks beside you and there's no yanking on your body. But imagine walking a 120-pound dog that has no control and is pulling you, Mm -hmm. pulling you, pulling you. What are you having to do to stop yourself from landing flat on your face? It's the opposite side of the body at the back that is having to contract Mm -hmm. to prevent that forward pull. So that's why looking at that full body and creating those foundations from the floor up are so Mm -hmm. important. Because again, if I'm pulled over, you're always going to see one shoulder is lower and the other one is higher. That higher one is in response to that pull. So again, you can spend forever working on pain in your shoulder or your upper back or wherever it happens to be, or that carpal tunnel, because as that arm now gets internally rotated, Mm -hmm. that's blocking the flow into the hand. So I mean, any issue from basically the shoulder to the fingertips, it's all part of the same system. Well, everything is part of the same system. Mm-hmm. But again, just you know, walk around with an anchor or a 10-pound or a weight in one hand for a day. See what you do. See how your body feels. Yeah. And yeah,
1: so. I, I love that you said that because I, I did a YouTube video on this recently, if you have uneven shoulders. And I've always had issues with my shoulders. Like as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they always seemed to be hiked up. They were more rounded. You always taught me when I was younger like really young probably like eight ten years old like bring your shoulders back and down bring your shoulders back and down that's a cue that I've always remembered and that's definitely helped especially when you're at a young age but just how we've evolved we see this as being a little bit more complicated than that but anyway so I talked or I did a, a YouTube video literally on this a few weeks ago and it's on the right shoulder typically being lower and more internally rotated than the left and it's crazy how this is such a full body approach because they'll say this is your right BC brachial chain area. And then you have the pelvis in relation to that. But so many people talk about that this starts with the pelvis, but then you have to think of the legs. The legs directly influence the pelvis and the hips. So then the hips influence the spine, the rib cage, and then the arms influence the shoulders. Like you can people can kind of see that yes, we are really connected. But anyways, so for a lot of people, it's a hiked up right hip. You lose that space on the right side. Now you're collapsing internally rotated because your majority of people are right-handed. So they're always in this way and being pulled forward with the right side, their right arm dominant. Mm -hmm. And then you typically have a pelvis that will actually rotate to the right and then I mentioned hiked up and then your thoracic spine will rotate to the left to compensate so that you're actually like facing forwards and then the shoulder blade will start to wing out and then you said this on the left side it becomes the anchor that's exactly what it's doing the left shoulder blade even those left upper back ribs will become more compressed because they're needing to do all this work to anchor you back. And it's just brilliant how the body is designed to just try to keep our body into balance. And it's brilliant how it does it, but it's also destructive, destructive. And they're totally, and there's things that we need to do to correct this. But if we understand how we've collapsed, we can now understand how we can unwind. And you now have an understanding that, yeah, you can't just work in the shoulder joint. It doesn't matter if you have a winged right scapula and it's collapsed, that doesn't even matter because even these ribs are gonna be more compressed. They're in that state of external, um, exhalation, which is external rotation. And now you have to learn how to direct your airway up and decompress those ribs as well. But again, that doesn't really matter until you address the cause, which can be the pelvis. But now also that can be what influenced the pelvis. Is this the calves and the feet more likely than not yeah so that
0: well and then going (laughs) one step further i mean think about the scalp on the skull because again where we have um, the greatest surface area of bone is where the fascia is going to grip and adhere the strongest so we've got this big helmet of bone and so if i've been like in this forward twisted alignment for decades now the scalp has also sealed its fate up here Mm -hmm. so how am I going to address the shoulder if I don't address the head and the 100%. neck and bring that back into alignment? Totally. And so it, it's fascinating because I know people do get probably frustrated thinking, well, geez, you know, I'm just trying to fix my shoulder. Yeah. I don't want to work my whole body. But when you do, and then you you can be surprised because suddenly it's that work that you did in that opposite wrist that suddenly created that release in that yeah. space. And then you, you just see it from such a different perspective. Yeah. Well, and even
1: it's doing a full body approach let's say to address your shoulder like for sure we or i would give more specific protocols for the shoulder and different shoulder exercises to do but when you're doing a full body approach you're also preventing your body from other issues that's not even related to your shoulder in the future it could be anything right it could be your hip pain it could be knee pain it could be foot pain it could be whatever it could be chronic headaches and migraines whatever the case is Obviously certain protocols are tailored for certain issues in the body, but if you're missing the components and leaving out the lower extremities, then, then yeah, that's going to cause issues. But to make it really simple for people, when you start creating a release in your body, now your body can be more retrained a lot easier because you've already created that release and started releasing that pull. Once you do that and you understand just where the body should be aligned and how your pattern of collapse is, then you just have to focus on unwinding it. And it's really not that challenging or overwhelming when you're given these protocols to do. Yeah. So where should the feet be aligned? Where should the knees be aligned in conjunction to the feet, similar with the hips? And then if it's rotated, okay, do exercises to rotate the pelvis back, drop that hip and then rotate the spine focus on thoracic rotations in the opposite direction it's gonna cramp it's gonna suck it's gonna be painful but hold it breathe and then once you've worked on that area then start focusing on that shoulder joint because yes there's obviously going to be issues in there but if you start just doing exercises even like really good mobility exercises i was showing you this before the podcast but holding a dowel with fairly wide, and then you're doing full rotations over your head all the way to your back and and forwards, doing 20 repetitions of that, if your shoulders are out of alignment and you're doing that, that can, that can cause more irritation to the shoulder joint. So you don't want to just jump into that. But I think it's a phenomenal exercise to do when you have a greater understanding of your shoulder joint, the alignment, and um, then you can start making incredible progress.
0: And that's why I love giving people the prompts to start using the opposite side of their body so again vacuuming you know it's, it's, it's an exercise like it takes energy to vacuum if you actually start doing things with the opposite side of the body now instead of having to figure out exactly how you've been pulled out of alignment you just start using the opposite side so you mm. actually naturally start pulling your body into more of a balance if you've been sitting cross-legged with only your right leg over your left your whole mm. pelvis is twisted switch it up see It'll how help. it feels. At first it will feel really strange and really awkward and might be quite uncomfortable, but work to the point where it becomes what's even normal. Yeah. And it was in yoga years ago when I first started, um, you know, they would have us, okay, gla- grasp, clasp, clasp. clasp whatever, <laughs> clasp your fingers together. And now whatever is natural, switch it up so that the other thumb is on top and continue to do that kind of stuff. So what side do you chew on? That's going to impact everything. So the more you can just bring these things into your daily living, it doesn't take more time out of your day to grab a glass with the opposite hand or to open the fridge with the opposite hand. Mm -hmm. It just takes a little bit of conscious attention in the beginning. And then before you know it, you can use both sides equally. And then you're not having to exhaust one side of the body. And then the other side just becomes frozen and anchored because it's not moving. Mm. So... That's just another great tip that people can start applying no matter what you're doing right away is just change it up. Imagine you don't, if you're right-handed, imagine you can't use that right hand for one day Mm -hmm. and see what it feels like to start moving in that other direction.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's such a, a good piece of advice to do. So I think with the combination of blocking, yes, in areas we mentioned that are a little bit more focused around the shoulder, but then making that a full body approach, plus doing corrective exercises to feel where the body should be aligned because a lot of people just don't know how to activate certain muscles it's foreign they're literally turned off and certain ones are overworking getting that ready and and prepared and engaged and reintegrate these muscles back in and these cells back in and then doing things in the opposite way that is a recipe for like improvement (laughs) <laughs> massive improvement. Cause not even yeah. for the shoulder, like literally full body improvement. If you can do that, like that's going to be helping your brain. Uh, we did a, a discussion on concussions on cause it's visual as well. Now, if you're starting to use the left side, now your whole head and your eyes are going to be aligned differently yeah. and they're going to be seeing things differently and you're going to create more balance. And that's going to change you, how your brain functions. Like it's also connected. It's absolutely insane but another um i don't want to necessarily say discovery but i'll say discovery for myself i mentioned this to you before if somebody's weight training a lot too and they're trying to work out their back and do a lot of lat exercises if you're overworking your lats then that can internally rotate your shoulders dramatically and that was something i focused on a ton was pull-ups lat pull-downs all of these things really focusing on engaging the lats and yes you, you want to be doing this but you can't make that a primary, a primary back exercise, especially if you have rounded, shul- rounded shoulders, because when you look at the insertion and origin of the lat, and then it connects to the humerus bone, your upper arm bone, that's directly affecting your shoulder joint as well. And I notice that if I do more lat focus exercises, so people are just doing lat pulldowns or doing any or pull-ups or any kind of exercise, try not to engage them as much and make sure that your shoulders aren't rolled forward and you're shrugging up too much, you have to be so aware of I had to be so aware because I was so locked in poor alignment from bodybuilding for 10 plus years that it took a a, took a lot of time. And when you finally start realizing what exercises are causing certain things and to avoid them. And then yes, training the other body to create balance, then you mean the opposite side of the body. Yeah. Opposite, yes. But then you make breakthroughs and you're like, oh my God, I did that just once and I'm noticing a change. It's pretty cool. So, wow, the shoulders, hey? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It is a lot. But uh, to make it the absolute easiest way possible is those initial protocols we talked about. Just start decompressing. That's the first thing your body needs. You don't need to be putting any more stress on the body. And then yes, you can do things like scapular push-ups to engage your serratus because that will be amazing for supporting your shoulder joints, especially for me separating, not separating, uh, but popping out and dislocating my shoulder so many times. The dynamic W's we teach a lot. Mm-hmm. How how amazing do your shoulders feel after? They just drop like two inches. Yeah, yeah. Doing the armpit position, spending three minutes. I remember training a buddy years ago his shoulders were so hiked up after we worked on one side for five minutes, literally looked like a three inch drop in his shoulder just yeah. from working in the upper ribs and and the armpit. Yeah. So just start doing these things, start feeding your body with proper flow, releasing the adhesions, the tugging, and then start being aware of your posture and alignment, and then integrate corrective exercises. Your body will be in a phenomenal, phenomenal spot. So awesome. I think we're going to wrap up there. Yeah. Talk, we talked uh, a lot.
0: You have a ton of great information. And, yeah. and again, just a, those exercises that you're sharing are so key. And I've always said of the three pillars, the building proper foundations is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to block. It's pretty easy to connect your breast. Changing your habits. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. So again, starting simple, starting from those foundational pieces and then going from there from that inside out that's going to be yeah
1: exactly what people totally yeah so a lot of the blocking pieces we have for free on the block therapy youtube i show more corrective exercises and stuff that are more related to i would say knee because like i i want to fix my body, and then share that with people. Or if somebody has a question or a suggestion, I want to figure out ways or show what I would do to help with that. So I actually have certain ones on my YouTube channel. Quinn Castellane is the YouTube channel name that shows more about uneven shoulders, for example, or certain exercises to do, but I'll always start with releasing. I'm never going to have somebody jump into corrective exercises. So um, start releasing corrective exercises, engaging the breath, working the opposite side of the body, you're, you're going to be in great shape. So, yeah. okay. A lot of information. That was a ton of fun. And, um, yeah, blocktherapy.com. If you want to download some free stuff, uh, the YouTube channels we mentioned, and then uh, the Facebook community group, if you want to connect, go to Facebook, type in block therapy community, and you'll be able to communicate with over 10,000 people, ask questions and to get you started with this process. So, That's everything, Diana?
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Quinn. That was awesome.
1: Awesome information from you. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. So anyways, well, thank you very much and we'll see all of you. Thank you for tuning in and taking the time. This was a ton of fun and we'll see you in next week's episode.
0: Bye everyone.